0: Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a 7 or 8 mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30 and you will receive 30% off your purchase.
1: Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Thomas, and just who in the hell do you think you are?
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm Micah. I don't know why you gotta bring it up like that, but that's fine, whatever.
1: Got a good one today, dude.
2: Yeah, another good one. Today we had on the show uh, Ted Bright, and uh, he hunted uh, a nice, nice 8-pointer. I mean, this thing is... Nice mature deer. Dude, this thing... When you think of eight-pointers, this is what you see. Because the deer, and you'll see the picture, obviously, just through the thing. But hopefully after this, you if you haven't seen the video already, he has a video up of him harvesting the deer. And it is just a beautiful eight-point. It's what you want to see yeah. when you think of an eight-point. Mass, length, everything. Huge body, great deer. Yeah. And he breaks it down. Uh, it was a great, great story, and he painted a good picture. Yeah, and
1: Ted's a friend of the uh the show. Um yeah, he's, he's been on knowledge- Dan- Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah been he's on been on Dance multiple Park, shows. Yeah, he's a knowledgeable that's that's hunter. Um and if you if you haven't seen the video, you can check his video out. We'll link everything obviously, but you can check his video out on his YouTube channel. I think it's Hunt Fit Ted. And um his Instagram which has a link to his YouTube channel is I think it's Teddy Bright 21. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even Just though, look in the show notes. Even though you're literally quoting me on it right now. <laughs> yeah, just look on the show notes. Look, yeah, check the show notes out. But, uh, yeah, it's a great uh, great story, and, and yet another one that is also caught on camera. And it's, it's in Missouri. That's and it's in bonus. Missouri, hell yeah. It's interesting that we, so far, Tales of the Chase episodes um, that have highlighted deer, so far they've all been caught on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually we'll have one that you know wasn't caught on camera, but they just so happened to, to be. So um, congrats to Ted. It's a great story, and we'll, we'll hop into it. Absolutely. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Another awesome Tales of the Chase episode. Uh, Micah and I are here today. What's up, bud?
2: What's going on? I'm pretty sure this is officially the latest podcast we've ever done.
1: It, it probably yeah. is. For the so listeners, far. we are we are beginning this podcast with our guest today at eleven o'clock at night.
2: Which that's fine. <laughs> so it is what it is. It
1: is it is uh gonna and I'm doing it because it's it's an awesome story and we're excited to hear it. Absolutely. No so I mean this
2: there's a video that goes along with it, and we'll get to that here in a second, but I mean, I watched the video again today, and it's awesome. It's a good story. I mean, everything worked out great, and I mean,
3: yeah. you'll enjoy it. So. It makes
1: me want to quit self-filming because I suck at it, and I don't know how it'd ever be as good as, as he is doing. So Right. Uh, so with us today is a friend of the show, Ted Bright. Ted is a fellow Missourian. What's going on, buddy?
4: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on, and... For the record, I am typically early to bed, early to rise kind of guy. So, um,
2: uh. We appreciate you staying up with us and getting it done. So, so what you're
1: saying is halfway through this, if all of a sudden we don't hear you anymore, <laughs> you fell asleep?
4: <laughs> yep, yep. You'll have to give me a nudge, right? <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: Um, well, we really appreciate you coming on late with us. Um, so for everybody, before we get into the cool story here... Um, Introduce yourself. Uh, tell everybody what you do for a living, where you're from, and then since you're a fellow Missourian, what's your favorite thing about the Missouri outdoors?
4: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, again, Ted Bright. I'm a Missouri resident for 25-ish years and uh, love everything about Missouri. I work for a company based here in St. Louis and I sell commercial printing equipment. Uh, so, like I said, I've lived here for about 25 years and my favorite thing about the missouri outdoors i would have to say uh, it, it's uh, it's all encompassing because i've always considered missouri to be like a hidden gem uh you know it doesn't get all the notoriety of colorado and you know uh you know even like florida has a lot of outdoor activities and such but we have the perfect mix of everything you know we've got the ag in the north the mountains in the south lots of riverways the fishing is excellent the hunting is excellent a wide array of uh, of wildlife and all a ton of outdoor activities and lots of uh, you know like like natural foraging fruits and everything. And I say that now because I was able tonight to introduce um, eating a pawpaw yeah. to a good friend of mine who is a lifelong Missouri resident and is a wealth of knowledge with anything outdoors. And I was able to introduce him to the pawpaw. So. That was pretty cool, that, and those things are excellent. I love pawpaw.
2: Oh, they're they're one of my favorite fruits. My neighbor actually has a few trees, and I used to go over there, and they used to give me some. They're awesome. They're delicious. If, if you haven't had a pawpaw, you should definitely seek them out, because they
4: are really good. Definitely. They have a lot more fruit than a persimmon, and... With a persimmon, if you get that skin in your mouth, I mean, it's just... It's,
3: <laughs> it's game
2: it's over. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, terrible. Right, right, exactly. I don't know how those it's deer do problems. it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, make you pucker up buttercups. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> They're less picky than we are, <laughs> so I guess. I,
4: that was a lot there, but I guess, you know, I mean, as far as my favorite thing in the Missouri outdoors, is just, it's, it's all of it. It's every bit of it. But, I mean, my singular most passionate uh, pursuit is definitely white tails and you know i love early season hunting late season hunting all that but being in the woods in late october through november is special beyond words to me so it would have to be that yeah uh, we would agree with you we we
1: love a lot about missouri too and that we uh, think the exact same thing i mean we it's a hidden gem no doubt about it and it almost it almost offers about everything you can offer at this point i mean now we have elk that we're hunting so we'll i have, mean we even have those now <laughs> so yeah. i mean we'll be able to hunt bear next year I think right it is. <laughs> so it's you're right and and but we are definitely mainly uh whitetail hunters and we For really sure. that's our our main passion so agree with you there good good call um so we're excited about this today because uh not only is it going to be a story people can listen to, they're also going to be able to watch it. And this is our uh, our first Tales of the Chase that is going to involve uh, public ground. Correct, Ted? This was harvested on public land?
4: Oh, no, it was not. And oh, I, I was wrong. I got that question a lot because I, I primarily do hunt on public ground. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I just assumed it was. Um, <laughs> I, I've had that a lot. Uh, but no, this buck was taken on private ground. Gotcha. Well, it's still, no, still cool. No deer farm or no food plots or anything like that. Uh, just, a, a neighboring piece of property that the lady lets me hunt on her land. And, uh, you know, like I said, nowhere near a food plot or anything. And I actually killed him underneath, uh, on a good acorn ridge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Win, win. Yeah. So that's, that's terrific. Um, so before we get into it, I guess, um, why don't you kind of give the listeners a little, I mean, you don't have to be dropping pins for people, but give them an idea of how this kind of property that you're hunting lays out and what kind of, uh, experience you've had there before and kind of what are some things that you noticed that you've tried to kind of do this year there to, to potentially harvest a deer?
2: Well, I mean, and also yeah. could you add like what part of the state? Are you North, South, East, West? Good call. And, yeah. Know.
4: Yeah. Okay. So I live just outside of St. Louis, uh, right at the edge of St. Louis County. And uh, you know, where I live though, is it's extremely rural. So, you know, we're not far from the uh, you know, like the suburbs, I guess you could say of like Chesterfield and Wildwood and such. But yeah, I live on the, the Western fringe of St. Louis County. Okay. Gotcha. And I've lived there for a year and a couple of months. So, Last year, going into the season, you know, after moving and uh, just the chaos with all that stuff, I didn't, I didn't have any scouting in or anything like that. You know, I really had no idea what I was even getting myself into. Um, I built a resume and went and knocked on some doors and everything, and uh, a hunting resume, that is. And, <laughs> was a, you know, I secured uh, permission to hunt a few pieces of property that are close by, you know, right down the road. I can ride my e-bike to it and, you know, but I just didn't understand the, um, you know, the micro and the macro, uh, patterns of the deer. Sure. So throughout the season last year, I hunted a lot more private ground than I typically do. Um, and it was to build a foundation, you know, to build a foundation so that for years I'd be able to. You know, get home from work, throw my stuff in and hustle up and, and skin out real quick and, and be able to go hunt, you know. So you've got to build that foundation of the deer movement and, and patterns and such, you know. So last year, I kind of focused on that. And I say that, and ironically, I killed both my bucks on public ground last year. <laughs> uh, uh, so here nor there, but I, I learned a lot. I, I hunted most of my time around the house, and I learned a lot. And the, um, the best encounter that I had with a buck last year, uh, was on October the 25th and I was right over there, just a few yards away from where I was, uh, two weeks ago when I had success. And I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away here before we get into it. <laughs> uh, but last October the 25th, so it was 11 months to the day prior to the success, um, I had a like a 30 minute encounter with this bruiser of an eight pointer and he batted down uh, fifty yards from me for thirty minutes and that encounter did not end well and it just you know it just kind of festered it didn't sit well with me at all and i I tried to get him you know I hunted him several times after that and I saw him I think two more times and it was never even anything close to. Uh, it was never anything more than a glance or, you know, um, I think he was like 60 to 80 yards from me on, uh, November the 13th ish, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it was just not a scenario where it was going, anything good was going to unfold. You know, he, he totally beat me again, you know? So, um, I kind of had, you know, uh, it stuck in my crawl. And I, I really wanted to pursue that buck again. I was anxious to see. And I didn't keep tabs on him over the summer or anything like that. Um, so I don't want to get too far ahead, though. But, yeah, that was kind of last year. Isn't that the worst, uh, though, whenever you – That was
1: – It's almost worse than – well, it's not worse than not seeing anything. But when you when you do see a, a deer you're after, but he's set 80 yards away and you know that that's as close as you're going to get to him, <laughs> it's like –
2: damn <laughs> it's like i screwed you up. won again
1: or you know you, you yeah you like you want so badly to snort wheeze or something at them and you know it's it's not going to do anything for you or whatever and right. you're just
2: like you ah. try to think of something but
1: yeah those are the days i'm like I you suck. know there
4: <laughs> but that's a victory in itself right there sure you know you i and i i i try to do a good job. And I think I do a really good job of this. Is I, you always have to focus on that positive. If you don't feel that it's the right situation to start at that buck, then you better have confidence in your mind that you know that it wasn't the right thing to do. You walked away doing everything you could. And if you if you would have, you, you better believe that if you would have, then it would have been detrimental to the cause the next time out or whatever. You know what I mean? No doubt. I yeah. think it's important to uh, to maintain that uh, positivity and confidence.
1: And you can always second guess yourself. I mean, I had an encounter with a deer last year. Well, similar situation with what you're talking about, Ted. I I saw him multiple times. You know, sixty or so yards away. And the th- I think it was the third time that he came through. He did the exact same thing he did the first two times, and I was sitting there going, "Why am I where I'm at right now?" <laughs> you know, and why, yeah, why didn't you? Make why didn't move? I make that move? And, and and then so the third time I did make that snort wheeze because I did have the wind and he came all the way back to me and got within 40 yards and I was full draw on him. That's the one I, I'm talking about, Micah. Right. Um, full draw on him for two minutes and he would not wow. step out of this thicket. And he finally just he never saw the deer that was snort wheezing at him and he finally spooked, I guess you'd call it, and, and kind of walked away. And I'm sitting there going, "Well, I should have brought a decoy." <laughs> I mean, you know, all these things you think of uh, after the fact, of course. And um, it was a it was a cool experience, but you're right you 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 take positives away from it um, if you can. So good call there. But uh, so the property itself is it mostly just timber that you're that you're hunting uh, in this situation?
4: Timber and horse pasture. Gotcha. Horse pasture down low. Timber. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like a, uh, um, the creek bed and then, you know, very gradual, you know, pretty well flat, uh, horse pasture that lines the creek bed. And then as soon as the hillside starts up, it's all timber.
1: Gotcha. Cool. So you, you started hunting it last year. You kind of learned some things. You had an encounter with him. Um, well, multiple encounters with him, but one that lasted a while and, Uh, you said didn't end very well. So it's stuck in your crawl, obviously. Uh, What did you do from, or did you do anything from last year to this year to kind of help prepare yourself for another encounter with him or just another encounter with a good, uh, good mature buck?
4: Yeah. uh, I didn't really do a whole lot on for him. Uh, So Uh, Close to my house, but in the opposite direction. uh, They planted beans this year. So last year it was corn. And, you know, corn isn't a deer magnet uh, around here anyway until, you know, usually right up, probably about October the 1st or so when it starts to to dry up. Or that's what I've found anyway. Right. Uh, So last year, you know, uh, of course I was just trying to wrap my mind around it all. Um, But this year with the beans there, you know, that was much more of a magnet. So I was really doing a lot of inventorying um, on that, you know, from like right behind my house and, uh, you know, in the, in the opposite direction, but all pretty close.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: I actually had a double split G2, really nice buck that I don't know. He may have been one that I hadn't encountered with, but I think he, I, I I can't decide on that. <laughs> he's betting in the same exact area as a buck last year. Um, but not a buck that I would think would have grown to that level, you know? So he he was probably in there and I knew of the betting, but just never had any pictures of him or encounters with him. Um, but I, once I got pictures of him, I, I tried pretty hard to get him. In fact, um, let's see here. Opening morning in Missouri, my son and I just went right here behind the house. And, and then, um, uh, we just did a quick hunt and we saw one of those, there was a couple other decent, you know, three, four and a half year old bucks running around a, a, a good wide eight and a, and a really nice 10. And, uh, we tried to get on them and then we saw one of them, but it was, it was still just a little bit too early, you know, uh, not quite light enough. And, uh, then after that, I had to, uh, had to go to Kansas city for work for, uh, for like a day and a half. So I was basically out of pocket there for a couple days. And then once I got back, I I went after that uh, double split G2 for four hunts, I think it was. And it was some, you know, cat and mouse. And we were stuck (laughs) in that hot weather pattern. It was just, everything was calm. I mean, I can't tell how many times I'd I'd look at the, my weather app on my phone and it would say calm, you know, like literally no (laughs) wind not one mile an hour calm right i was so sick of seeing that and why does it also say hot as balls cover here (laughs) yeah yeah right right oh so anyway after like four hunts i think of that and you know that's just not really my style i don't i get impatient with this like uh trying to be delicate and trying to hunt the field edge, but you know, along the path that he would travel. And, uh, so after four hunts of not seeing him, but I did have an encounter with him. I'm pretty sure that, uh, when I got to the base of the tree and put my headlamp on, I was taking a piece of buck ran off, you know, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was him. But after four hunts, I was like, this is, I'm so sick of this, you know? And, uh, that very next morning, I'm just like, I'm going scouting. And I couldn't wait to get out and scout. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead here, but uh, you know that's kind of when it all started with the game with with this buck here.
1: Yeah, and and you had been in that area last year, so, um, because you had that encounter with him very close to where you harvested him this year, correct?
4: Yeah, exactly. So I basically knew, even though I hadn't been over there, uh, that. I would, I could go over there and find fresh sign, and he would be in that area. So that yeah. was kind of my plan all along, is that I was going to, you know, whenever I got sick of chasing the double split G2, and that didn't take very long, uh, I was going to go over and scout, and, you know, I figured on, of course you never know how it's going to turn out and everything with the scouting, but I figured on, you know, just getting in there quickly after him. And sure enough, everything worked out, you know, all of the factors aligned from access to thermal to prevailing wind and, you know, the sign with where the bedding was and everything and all aligned to where I could just do it the very next morning, which is obviously ideal.
1: Right. And what about that? There's, you know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people out there, and I mean, I'm kind of one of them. There's times where I overthink stuff, right? And that, that first year you had access to this property, what are some things you immediately started looking for to try to, uh, I I guess we'll say hone in on where you could locate the deer and and where you were going to hunt? Um, you know, I don't know how big the property is as far as acreage, but what are some things you do to, um, try to fine tune where it is you're going to try to end up when you make uh, that first move or when you start, trying to locate those, those animals. Is it mostly a scouting mission up front or are you, are you looking at those maps and trying to figure out what to do? Uh, and then that there might be a lot of scout hunting, uh, up front as well. If that made any sense. that's yeah,
4: pretty much <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it does. Uh, I pretty much scout hunted all last year and, I've, and I really did just chalk it up to that. Exactly. You know, um, I would, you know, just scout my way in and hunt. I mean, I do that every time anyway, but last year I was totally cool with it all being the emphasis being on scouting, you know? Um, So, you know, I definitely want to look at annual patterns, but I guess before that, you know, I'm definitely looking at the maps and I'm looking at onyx and seeing where I think those areas of travel would, would be. And, and then, you know, throughout the year last year, I was trying to uh, discern, you know, Uh, micro patterns and then macro patterns, you know, what are the annual patterns here? Right. And I mean, the single biggest point of Intel that I had was the fact that last October, that buck was in this area. So that in itself is, you know, I mean, I knew he, I mean, I can't say I knew without a doubt, but I was fairly confident that he made it through the season. And I pegged him to be a four and a half year old last year. So, you know, I mean, this is, you're talking about an animal at its physical prime. So the odds of it succumbing to coyotes or something, you know, pretty uh, were minimal. Yeah. And I knew, you know, I had an encounter with him, gosh, as late as, uh, uh, it was in December, late December at some point. But at any rate, so, you know, I was very confident he was in there. And the best, um, the best intel that I had was that, you know, he was betting and eating acorns on this finger ridge in October. So I, while that, I didn't, I can't say I just went right to that finger, but that was the, you know, I was most excited to get to that spot. And I actually saved that for last because I wanted to try to see what the other areas were bringing, what the sign I was seeing and everything was. Right. So this, um, Around here, it's interesting Uh, when you come up out of the creek bottoms on the on the lower um, lower elevations of the slopes and the ridges. There's a lot of honeysuckle, and it's just super super thick. And I mean, you know, a lot of times bedding that type of you know high stem count's great for bedding and everything, but that honeysuckle, I just don't I don't know I don't think that deer really like to walk through that much. And I definitely don't think that uh, big bucks with big antlers want to walk through that, especially when they're in velvet.
1: Yeah, the so, stuff. You
4: know what? Yeah, right. And that honeysuckle just oh, there's nothing good about it. Um, so that eliminates that lower end of the finger ridges. You know what I mean? I and and the patterns I saw last year were those deer would walk um, just above the honeysuckle. So it's almost like, you know, they'll walk side hill along the top of that honeysuckle because they don't want to walk through it, but they like the cover of it. And then typically they're going to come up to the, you know, to like the, uh, upper two thirds or so to bed and look down. And so that gives them a buffer to where they can, they can bed on these hillsides and, and look down There's this relatively open forest. And then, you know, the bottoms are, are thick so they could hear something coming and such, you know? Right. Does that answer your question?
1: Oh no doubt, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if if you think about it like a deer would, you're you're betting up higher up this hill. I'm guessing they they would like the wind to be coming up from the top of the hill down over their backs as they're looking down towards the stuff that they could see some something coming, and then they're smelling anything coming from the back um, above them. I mean, it it makes complete sense.
4: Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, I, I wanted to see, you know, where the does were bedding and everything like that. Also on that, it was on September the 24th when I went scouting. Uh, so I got all that Intel and I, I actually, I, I grabbed a camera that I had. So that's one thing I did uh, that I did prior, I guess and that was in like July. I put that camera over there. I made a scrape. And I put it in the woods, back in the timber, you know. And I really didn't know what to expect, and I hadn't checked it at all until that day, you know. So, um, so after doing my, and this tour is you're talking about area, that that scouting
1: and, trip that you went on after you got tired of messing with the split G two, correct?
4: Right, and uh, that was yeah. on September the twenty fourth. So I did my tour, and then the last two stops of this tour. Were the game camera, and then I wanted to check that ridge, and you know I saw all kinds of doe sign. I saw a couple of small rubs and scrapes and everything, uh, and then I could tell that there were some deer that were hitting the scrape that I made by the camera in July, but it, you know I didn't bother checking it until I got home. But right. Uh, so that after I pulled the after I pulled that camera, then my last stop was this finger ridge where I had this encounter last year. And, you know, I knew that the acorns were dropping and I was really excited to get up there and I, you know, just, I didn't see anything before that that was like, I want to hunt here until I got there.
2: Makes sense. That's always nice. Yeah.
1: Like, okay, well, I guess, I guess probably before that you're like, oh, this sucks. Where, Where where's all that sign I'm looking for? And then you get there and you're like, oh, here it is. is." (laughs) Uh, So I guess that's a a positive
4: at the end of it, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was uh, it was obvious, definitely obvious.
1: Yeah, that's good, and and of course that that comes through in the video. I I remember watching you the the day before uh, talking about the layout, and you even you even put up a picture of the map, a little bit of how you kind of were talking about the setup, and um, a good way to kind of explain what your thinking was. Right? I mean, everybody always asks that. Well, how why did you decide to do this? Why did you decide to do that? And you know, when you explain those things, well, I decided to to pick this tree because of this. Um now of course that's all assuming that the wind is set up and the the conditions are how you want them. And it always feels like for me they always do the exact opposite of what I want, right? The, the conditions always are not what I want them, but um so it's it's really you know people ask those questions and I think that's a good you know good way to explain it. I had this this finger ridge. I didn't think they were down in the honeysuckle. Uh, I thought they were going to be you know further up. And then you went in with the scouting trip, saw the sign that you were hoping to see, uh, pulled the card, and I'll let you say what you saw on that card. And that that was probably even more proof that you uh, that you were in the right spot. So. Tell people what you saw on that card. I know. I know you saw something.
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was. I was very happy to see that. You know, this buck, which I, you know, I pretty much knew was the eight pointer that I had the encounter with last year, uh, or encounters with. I uh, pretty much knew it was him, and he was actually showing his head, showing his face during daylight hours. I mean, I think it opening day of archery season. While I was stuck working in Kansas City. He was, uh, he was actually up and about at four o'clock in the afternoon. Now I'm sure that was the anomaly, but I think it was like two days later he came through at like four thirty or something. Now that was the only two days that he had gone past that camera, but, uh, that's all I needed, you know, I just, right. didn't know he was, at, and it was really just confirming that he was the one that was making all the sign, uh, what a hundred yards away or so, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I was just a little bit closer down to the horse pasture, you know, because those deer go to the horse pasture to eat uh, at nighttime and do their social deer things. Um, but then, you know, they all, they all always work their way up to the ridges, this time year anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I have found that in that area, for whatever reason, even though it's relatively open, they're going to bed there and be able to munch on acorns all day.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel like, the reason you were catching those photos of him at so early, i mean, at four o'clock in the afternoon. Do you feel like it was because he was up early or were you real close to his bed, you know, based on the sign you were seeing? Um, I mean, I don't know what the the terrain was exactly like, but do you feel like he was bedded right there and he was just up milling around out of his bed or do you feel like he was just that comfortable to be traveling through there that
4: early? That's a good question. Uh, the game camera was closer to the like the edge of the horse pasture. So, um, you know, he would have came from the bedding area down to that.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: It's hard telling. I mean, he looked comfortable. He didn't look like, you know, like he was bummed or whatever. And the fact that it was there two days tells me that it was some sort of a routine. Um, you know, I, I guess if I had to try to explain that, it would just be, probably just like the confusion or not even really confusion, just the uh, the state of variables when deer are shifting their patterns right around that time. Yeah, You know, I mean, every year, you know, you'll see people um, or you'll see it in your own yard or you'll hear people talk about it, how they see deer out in their yard until September 15th. Well, you know, it's not because it's archery season. They, deer don't know that. Let's go, guys. That's, that's when the white dogs start dropping, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, white oats are dropping and antler, you know, testosterone is, is building in these deer that wants to break them up. So they're, they're more apt to be moving, uh, to go find their own territory. Uh, the acorns are dropping. So if I had to guess, it would just be those variables right there.
3: Yeah, the
4: combination uh, of it. but <clears throat> yeah, but none of that, it still wouldn't happen if the deer wasn't comfortable in his core area.
2: For sure. Yeah, and, No. I and I'm, I'm assuming this piece of ground, you're probably the only one that really has access to it besides probably the landowner or something like that. So it probably doesn't get a bunch of pressure.
1: Yeah, was that a factor I guess yeah. you were worried about is, oh gosh, there's another guy that's got uh, access to and, you know, do I got to worry about what he's doing? Um, that always adds a layer to things if you do have to. Um, and especially a guy that hunts public ground quite a bit. I'm sure you've had to uh think on the fly before um but i'm a guessing since he was up at four in the afternoon and, and feeling comfortable there wasn't a lot of pressure there where he had to be worried about bumping into a person every day could be wrong but until, yeah that's what i'm guessing
4: no you're you're right there's there's another guy that hunts there and outside of that you know there's just really minimal human activity anywhere. There's a couple of horses there and I don't think you ever see anybody like ride them or anything, you know? Um, but the other hunter is a crossbow hunter who I have seen like walk the edges of the field and then just kind of set up, you know, I, I don't think he's much into like even going into the timber. So, and I was actually thinking about this uh, when setting up my game camera, um, Cause I'd walked past a scrape at the edge of the horse patcher and I thought, you well, know, maybe I should put it here. I'm like, no. Nah. And that was the main reason why I didn't. Cause I know that guy, he loves walking the edges of the field. Right. So I put it back off of the horse patcher by like 50 yards at, you know, where a couple of drainages came together and it had a little bit of like a flat area. It just looked like a good, place where deer would congregate prior to going out there like a staging area yeah and i mean it just it worked out good because i didn't care about anything else other than identifying that that buck is the buck that's making the sign that i saw uh you know 100 yards away back up in the bedding area
3: right
1: so yeah you went out scouting saw the sign that you were hoping to see once you got to that that finger ridge and then went home, checked the cards, uh, went, oh, yeah, <laughs> yay. That'll uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do. Um, but had you already planned on on going out and hunting? Or was it something that you decided once you got back, checked those pictures and went, okay, that is him. And now I'm definitely going out. And from the time you did that, because um, I don't remember the date now, and you'll tell us here in a second, but... From the time you've made that first scouting trip to the night that you hunted him, or nights, I don't know if you hunted him multiple times or not, but um, how long was
4: that? All right. Uh, So I went in there scouting on September the 24th, and the entire time, before I even knew I was going scouting, well, when I made up my mind I I was going scouting, I was hoping to find what I found. And I knew that I had the next morning open and could hunt. And that was my plan all along was to, to find it and then get in, you know, if I find what I want to find in that bedding area, then I'm going in the next morning. So when I was there, so right after pulling the camera, when I walked up the hill, hundred yards or so, 150 yards, and I see, you know, I found all this time um, before even checking the game camera, I knew that this is a big buck. I mean, there were piles of shit in there that were the size of my fist. Yeah, I saw There were picture. <laughs> rubs that were, you know, chest high, like, you know, literally chest high rubs. That's a, that's a mature deer. That's a big deer. Uh, and, and it was pretty tore up with them, you know, and, uh, there were multiple beds, you know, I could tell that this buck was bedding in here and just getting up throughout the day and munching on acorns. And it, so that in itself told me that he was very comfortable in that area. Uh, so I knew he was going to be there. I I knew without a doubt that that buck was going to come back there that next day. And so I, you know, I, while I'm there and I recorded this also is that, you know, I, I checked the weather, you know, I had an idea, but I wanted to make sure. And of course it's calm all night long <laughs> with, with a one mile an hour wind out of the Southwest at like, you know, 6am or whatever. Uh, but that was all right. As long, even when it's just a slight, slight wind like that, if you're on the correct side of the slope and you can get that wind to jive with the thermals, then you're cool. You know, it it works out great. Right. Uh, so that's exactly what I did. In fact, I had, I had a stick with me, a, a climbing stick with me, um, just for, uh, checking that game camera to check the game camera. Um, so I had that one stick with me and I went ahead and hung it on the tree and I kind of showed for the camera, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm setting up here on the, uh, Eastern side of the slope. The wind is going to be coming out of the Southwest. The thermals are going to be pulling my, my wind even further to the East, basically to the, the East by Northeast, I guess. And I was expecting the deer to come out of the um, either the north or the south along the ridge top, and coming down to the area that I was basically facing to the strong side of the tree, and that. Uh, and I expected him to take a little bit of a J hook, but I had these uh, this like triple deadfall of big white oaks that were laying on the ground, like right next to me. And it's it just, it's a massive entanglement of tree trunks that yeah. is impassable. So it stop, It would prevent a deer from jay hooking below me. And, you know, I mean, even a deer that's milling around for acorns probably isn't going to go right up next to a deadfall and like walk up along it. You know what I mean? They're going to just naturally mill out, mill around in a more open area where they can, they're not, you know, confined in. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. So it worked out really good. Um, So I had it all planned out. I put the first stick, the stick that I was carrying with me, I I put that on the tree. That way I just had that much of a head start the next morning. And I made sure I had all my ducks in a row. I mean, I texted a couple of buddies and I showed them, like, here's my setup. I'm going to go kill this buck in the morning. And they're like, man, are you worried about that? That was loud did you did you uh you know did you disrupt it too much and I didn't look at it that way at all i i could I just felt like you could tell by the sign that that buck was so comfortable in that area that even if I bumped him when I was walking you know hundred yards away and he ran off that to me a lot of times I think that bucks they'll just add to their confidence right they won
3: yeah right. they won again, right yeah uh
4: so I wasn't worried about that at all. I just knew I wanted to get in there early, real, real early to, you know, for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, I wanted my scent uh, trail to be you know, diminished as much as possible over time. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to be prepared for the, uh, the worst case scenario, which would be that buck coming in to the bedding area before shooting light. And so I had to be ready to do that and still shoot the buck out of his bed once it got to shooting line, so I think you know that's like worst case scenario. If you prepare for that, then you're going to be prepared for anything. Yeah. So that's the way I went about.
1: So the way I was kind of listening, and maybe I got it wrong, but you were setting yourself up to be on a just off wind, right? You weren't. You weren't setting yeah. yourself up to be on a totally opposite wind. You were kind of just off.
4: Right. Right, because that buck was going to bed on that knob with the wind coming over his back. And if I would have been uh, straight downwind, then, you know, he would have been looking at me if I, you know, possibly at eye level, you know, head height um, in a tree because of the slope of the hill and everything. And, mm-hmm. and it, it, he would have had to cross my scent path. Everything. It, it would not have worked out well that way.
3: Yeah.
2: And do you use any type of uh, scent product? Or anything like that? Or you just play the wind?
4: I just play the wind. Yeah. I mean, I I use, you know, uh, like, what do you call uh, it, detergent, uh, perfume-free detergent. Yeah. I just buy, you know, like, whatever. Since it, I, I don't even know what it is. but uh, I, I use my whatever wife, I buy, the
0: one she
1: has for the the baby. I use the detergent-free yeah. you know, or the scent-free detergent. Yeah stuff that she has for the kids that's what i wash my hunting clothes in nice i'm like might as well use it while it's
4: there All right heck yeah and it's a hell of a lot less expensive than the hunting section at walmart or whatever right I right feel like a sucker so that i used to buy that stuff but uh well and i think way, that's a good I, point yeah, to go use, uh, to go
1: back to win too. ted is i keep hearing this and dan i think is the first one i dan johnson Um, who is the first one I probably ever heard this from is a lot of times he'll say, you know, that the times that you kill them are when you almost get busted. It's, it's you're you're almost in the wrong spot. And I keep, you know, I keep hearing guys set up and it's not, you know, I don't, it's not necessarily that you want the wind in your face. You want the wind to be correct where that deer is going to be as close as they can to you before you get busted by them. uh, Because, if they're close to you before you get busted, they're dead. And that's, I think that's a good point for people to learn is it doesn't necessarily have it. You're not looking for a perfect wind setup. You're looking for a wind setup that gets you in the right spot. Um, it might not be, you know, I need to be on the South side if the wind's coming out of the North exactly. You know, it might be, you need to be at eight o'clock if it's coming out of the North because he'll be coming right through at six o'clock if you're looking at a clock you know whatever so uh, that was a really good thought on your part is to kind of get on a just off setup so that you can be in the right spot not necessarily the perfect wind spot if that makes sense
4: yeah definitely definitely and I mean at the end of the day roll the dice sometimes right right yeah who cares it's on fun. (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
2: I mean, I was hunting over the weekend. I was up at the farm, and I had a doe. She started out in front of me, which, I mean, the wind was in my favor, but she, she walked all the way around me, in, I mean, a full 360 degrees pretty much. And she, once she got my wind, she sure. She smelled it, realized something, and then she just slowly walked off. I mean, so, you know she knew something was up but she never spooked or never hollered or nothing like that so sometimes you get lucky <laughs> yeah
1: and it's kind of cool to have those yeah. experiences too i mean it helps you learn i was in a, i hunted uh saturday i think it was i took uh my son with me and i had two little fawns yearlings come in that just lost their spots and they came in uh downwind of me i guess you'd call it where i had the wind in my favor I always get that backwards And they walked right by my tree, and then upwind, and they were there for like an hour, twenty feet from me, no care in the world. And then finally, for some reason, both started blowing and took off. (laughs) Like what? What changed in this hour setup here? (laughs) Yeah, my son is six (laughs) or seven. He just turned seven, so um, he has a lot of fun. So I got
4: a question for you: How hard? How high did
1: he jump when that deer blew? He has heard it before, so he he's <laughs> like he's mad, Daddy. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, yep <laughs> he's heard it mad. before. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he he is the he is the, when it, when he is like the... A really intense
4: standoff. Oh yeah, it, and it's just you know I jump sometimes though.
1: So. <laughs> that kid is the best luck I've ever had. Um, that's actually not the first time he got blown at that day. Or we didn't get blown at, but the last last year he had a buck at ten <laughs> yards three different times with me. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, that same situation I'm talking about, those two fawns came in. An hour later, we had two deer blow out just west of us that weren't getting our wind, and, and I was thinking, "What in the hell's going on here? Right? Why are these deer blowing out?" And then two minutes later, a bobcat walks by the tree,
2: and he spotted yeah. that first. And, and my
1: son was the one who saw the bobcat before me. I mean, the kid is so good about, you know, I tell him, "Hey, just tap daddy on the on the shoulder, right? If you see something, don't say daddy." Um and he does he he taps me and he goes there's a bobcat or he said a cat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like oh yep that's a bobcat buddy and I'm just like he he is the luckiest every time we I take him we see stuff yep. and so uh I need to probably that's take true. him more often so that <laughs> I can
2: kill something son you gotta get out of school today we got a cold front rolling in <laughs> right. this
1: morning <laughs> so anyway I I just kind of yep. get back yep. to your to to your story I think it's important for people to think about that maybe when they're you know. I am not great at reading maps and then, you know, getting to a spot and really going, okay, this is what I want to do. And so if people are kind of like that, that's a good, a good idea or a good thing to think about is think about where you're going to set up so that you're maybe just off. Cause that might be what works for you. Um, so anyway, to get yeah, back, yeah, back to your story, exactly. you, you, uh, you had that plan in place, you hung that single stick and then you you did what a lot of us are able to do. You were able to hunt the next morning. Um, and a lot of us are that way where if we get the chance to hunt, we don't always get to hunt when we want to. So if we, we have the opportunity, we take it.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I knew that it wasn't going to be a long hunt. You know, I didn't have all day. Um, but, you know, I had the, the early morning and... I, I, I knew that that buck was going to come back. And so I got up super early and, um, you know, I, I got up super early, even after getting all my stuff ready the night before, you know, it was that level of excitement. I mean, I told all my buddies I was going to go kill this buck. So I had to go kill this buck. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah, you doubled down. didn't you? <laughs> uh,
4: uh, I did, I did, but you know, I did that just out of fun, you know, to like, just to add to the excitement of it and right. everything, you know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, that just makes it more fun to, you know, stay up until 11 o'clock at night getting all your shit prepped. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I did all that. Got up super early. I was – I think I was in the stand for probably two hours before shooting, like, you know, set, ready to go, camera ready, everything. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't see anything, like, right at first light. Like, you know, I mean, I was really expecting to come in, like, at – first light and i was hoping not because you know with filming you've got the camera light issues and i had a cheap little canon Dixia that doesn't gather light very well at all um uh, and so that worked out too because you know it's about i'm gonna guess about quarter after seven or so i heard i heard a grunt that was the first thing i heard was a grunt i mean it was it was not super close but it was distinct i was like that was a grunt you know it was, It was those that, you know, half the time you like might talk yourself out of it five minutes. Was it maybe just a squirrel or something? Yeah. Maybe. maybe (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's another thing that I've I've learned along the way is like, you know, remain steadfast in your confidence on that type of stuff. Uh, Because what I did then is as soon as I heard that I started rolling the camera. And so I had like 17 minutes, I think of, of cameras rolling, uh, before the shot. Uh, but for about, uh, I think probably about five or six minutes. Um, I, I saw a couple of does back to my, uh, I'm, I don't know what my four o'clock or so. And, um, you know, I just assumed they were, they were just those, you know, feeding through or whatever. Right. Um, and I kept looking over to my, Like uh, five o'clock, and kept looking, kept looking, kept looking, you know, and nothing. Finally, I I just I kept keeping an eye and keeping tabs on those does just to you know just to know where they were in case of anything. And uh, I look at one of those does, and it's a big (laughs) (laughs) eight-pointer. So obviously, it wasn't a doe, Uh, but there were two other does there, which was interesting, right? The 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 fact that they were all you all know, together. In relatively yeah. close proximity there. Uh, but you know how it is in the early season. It's still, there's a lot of vegetation and everything. So it wasn't like a, Oh my gosh, he was 25 yards away and you know, I couldn't do anything because there was plenty of vegetation that I could still easily move and get all my stuff situated. And, uh, quite frankly, I mean the, the level of comfort and confidence that these mature bucks have in their core area um is it's 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 so cool to see and it's really cool to get in there and like uh mike perry from pennsylvania summed it up that he's like you went in there and surgically removed him <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny uh that's accurate but you know the kind of how I'm, it's kind of how it is because you know he had no idea i was there uh the you know, he was on the other side of that big deadfall. So there was no chance that he was going to come, you know, like right underneath my stand. There was no chance he was going to sell my access. Um, while it wasn't, he wasn't like straight upwind, he was pretty darn close to it. And even if he would have continued all the way to his bed, you know, he never would have been downwind of me, almost arcing around, you know what I mean? But never downwind of me. Um, so then the really, the challenge was, uh, you know, getting a shot and getting the shot while he was in the frame of the camera, especially with the maple leaf foliage that I was, uh, you know, dealing with and trying to find windows through and everything. And I think, so let's see here, it was probably like 10 minutes of standoff trying to make that happen. I actually drew back uh, once and I mean, I was ready to shoot. He was at like 13 yards. And I had him dead to right and the last thing I did was I looked down at the um, the the, uh, the camera screen yeah and I could see the bottom of his feet at the top of the frame <laughs> so uh, this is also my first year using using a hinge release so I had to let down and reframe the buck and at that point he was he had worked out to uh, like twenty five yards he was right in front of a tree which was twenty six yards so it was 25 yards, and I was able to get him uh, centered in the frame, but I should have had the frame up just a little bit because you can't see his antlers. But uh, you can see the shot hit. Well, it's pretty much perfect shot on a quarter in the way.
1: You're a better man than either of us because I can promise you that was first sh- time I'd be been like, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shooting it <him> now. <laughs> so, well done to have that, uh, I guess yeah, you call it. Yeah, that was my last year. <laughs> yeah. the, the patience to just uh to to draw or to let down and and put them back in the frame because yeah there's a lot of us i mean i i try to sell film um i'm nowhere near like i only have one camera i don't have other things on me or anything like that and uh if i got into the the something like that i would i would probably be a guy that says, screw everybody else. I'm going <laughs> to just yeah. shoot this guy. So well done that, because we, now we all get to see it, because you uh, had the the mental fortitude to say, nope, I've got him. He still doesn't know I'm here, so just reframe it and and let it happen. So, yeah, you reframed it. You let it fly. Uh, of course, I've seen it, but um, kind of take us through all that after after the shot flew. Yeah,
4: yeah. So it was uh, a pretty – you know, steep quartering away, a pretty good quartering angle. Uh, so I, I kind of, I went in. <clears throat> I'd say three quarters of the way uh, uh, to the last rib, and I came out on the uh, basically at the base of the opposing leg, and I just basically went right through the, or the opposing lung. So I hit stomach on the front side, liver and then where the i uh, basically severed the opposing lung from the heart it just really destroyed that opposing lung and you know the the biggest thing that i can say with these with a fixed head and you know fixed broad head and you know some some good weight behind your arrow um and i'm not on like this whole got to have 80% foc on uh, the, the new rage you know what i mean sure uh, yeah, right. but You know, a good heavy arrow, uh, with a good fixed head. I think there's a lot to be said for it. Uh, the arrow zipped right through him. He didn't know what hit him. he ran 40 to 50 yards and stopped and just, he just paused for about 10 seconds probably and he got wobbly and fell over. And so by that point he was like 80 yards from me in the tree and I was just sitting there, you know, I could see him easily. Uh, so, you know, at that point, of course, all the work begins, but, uh, I mean, it was just such a, a culmination, you know, after trying to self film last year and doing what you guys had just mentioned and aborting the mission of <laughs> filming, uh, so quick, so easy. It was like, talk me right out of it. I just want to shoot that buck.
3: And, yeah, yeah. and
4: you know, I shot those bucks, uh, without a care about it. You know what I mean? Right. But, this year I'm like all right I'm going to I'm going to get better at it. <clears throat> and then also with you know totally changing my uh my archery you know really kicking that up a notch and you know going from punching a wrist rocket for 25 years to uh you know executing you know good back tension release method uh, with a hinge release with all those things coming together and then even the added, uh, you know, having to let down to get it reframed, uh, it was a lot. And it's probably, you know, a, a, the buck that I'm probably most proud of uh, out of all my kills. So it was, uh, you know, there's a lot there and it was, it was a really enjoyable experience.
1: Well, I think sometimes those. a lot to me. When you, uh, when you, I don't know, put a plan together and you actually execute the plan boy it makes you feel really good about yourself right i mean right you can you can go hunting and and kill a good deer and that's awesome just off
2: luck right but if you
1: uh, well i mean there's still skill involved True. you know sometimes you just you make it happen but when you when you go okay i know he's here i'm gonna go kill him now and then it actually works yeah, you do feel. I mean, that, that makes you feel really good. You're like, hey, maybe I'm not as dumb as I thought. Like, <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm talking about my archery one in 18, right? Like, right. I had a plan. I'm like, it probably won't work. And then it did. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not as dumb as I thought, right? But yeah. so you you actually, you, you saw him pretty much die in front of you. I mean, I watched it on the video. So I'm guessing you saw everything too. What was, I mean, explain, you know, I really like to get give the listeners a nice snapshot of this animal. Uh, explain this, this awesome buck and when you got to lay hands on him, you know, what was your thoughts?
4: Uh, so, you know, I mean, I knew that it was the buck that I had encountered with last year. So I knew it was a a mature deer, but I I didn't, I didn't realize how big he was. And, you know, I don't really, I'm not a, like, I don't score the racks or anything like that. I'm not talking about the rack. I'm talking about the body. This thing was big. Uh, so you know, after I uh, I called my son, you know, told him, and you know, had him come over and help me because it was still early enough that uh, he was able to help me before he had to uh, go to school. And so he came over and helped me. And it's always great sharing those moments with my son because we, you know, shared so many of them. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we always take the opportunity to uh, you know to to express gratitude towards for the animal, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's heavy for me, the, the experience of taking the life of an animal. Agreed. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's you. not something I take lightly and, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, it's important that we respect that. Uh, so, you know, we always take a, a moment to enjoy that. Um, and you know, it's almost like a, a celebration. Uh, and it's a celebration that that animal is going to continue to live through, uh, through our consumption of, of the meat that the animal has provided. Um, so, yeah, we we always enjoy doing that. And uh, man, when it's just a big hoss of a deer like that, it's, I don't know, it's just something special. And again, you know, the antlers are great, but those big bodied, old, mature bucks, I mean, he was, he smelled like a ruddy buck. And I'm not saying he was like, it wasn't super stenchy that, you know, like running me out of the place or anything, but well, I'm not kidding you. I mean, it was way more ruddy smelling than any buck I've ever smelled in September. I can tell you that. How
2: how much do you think he weighed? Because he 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 looks
4: like a horse with antlers, right? Uh, I, I I I just don't know. It'd be hard to I even mean, I, guess. You huh? hear the? Yeah, I'm not that skilled in that. But I mean. <laughs> I guess if I if I had to guess, he was, you know, he was probably a two hundred pound deer dressed. Wow! Yeah, but that's I mean that's that's big. I, so I don't I don't know. I'd like to start doing that. That's another thing my son and I were talking about after harvesting this thing. Uh, like, man, I'd be interested to know. You know, how much did that thing weigh?
1: No doubt. I mean, it's you're you're right. The maturity is is almost more cool than I mean. The rack is obviously icing on the cake. That's nice, mm-hmm. but um, you know when. We weighed my 2018 archery buck because he was so, so large. I mean, we just had to know. <laughs> and we're just like, and luckily my father-in-law is a farmer and he had a scale. And so we were able to hang him from the scale. You're just like, holy shit. Like, we're going to have meat for years in <laughs> this thing. And um, so it is it is really cool. How much you, did he weigh? He weighed like 252 on the hoof. Uh, so he would dressed have been. Or? No, he, 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 he was not dressed yet. So I. I think when he was dressed, he was like two thirteen something like that, two twelve. That makes sense, probably Uh, around there. uh, Yeah, yeah. I was, I was happy. I think I got a 122 pounds of meat out of him total, or something like that.
4: I can't. Wow, that was awesome. So, what do you think? As as you see pictures of my deer, does it uh, does it look comparable in size? It's pretty comparable. Pretty close.
3: Yeah,
1: I I would say he was pretty damn close. I mean, neither. My deer was also not rutting. I mean, he was mid-October, so he was starting to mean, was starting to get in that mode. But, um, you know, they're not going to really gain any weight. They're just going to swell up and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I'd say he's comparable. I mean, who knows, though? Some of those – I saw a picture of a doe today that looked like a damn horse that guy <laughs> shot on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, I'm not very good at probably guessing weights either, but that is that is awesome. And it's cool to hear that there's other people out there, too, I'm one of those guys that that I do feel a sense of remorse when I kill an animal um except for coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know I do I feel remorse for them. Uh it's not like I'm celebrating that I just killed you. I I um that's why I'm so kind of gung ho on when we talk about when people waste meat and people um don't talk about the animal. They just took as a trophy, right? No, it is a trophy, right? I mean, you you chose to take their life, treat them like they matter, right? You know that 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 mattered to the to you that you took their life, and so it's kind of cool. Other people do that same thing, and I'm not just like a weird person. <laughs> I am weird, but you know, at yeah. least there's other people weird like me. So uh, that was a it's an awesome buck, man. Uh, really cool story. Uh, you know, you're able to to put a plan together and then execute it and it it worked great um he's a he's a great looking deer um and you know you're able to to do whatever you're going to do with them and now you'll have that memory on video and you know by just seeing them every time you look at him for the next 100 years or however <laughs> long you live <laughs> yeah
2: so whatever you decide
1: uh so here's the other cool part about this, and this is the third tales of the chase we've done that has been caught on camera. Uh-huh. I, have, I just noticed that. But um, first one with a in a saddle, though. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ted is a saddle hunter, um, and so um, have all kinds of questions. Sometime we ought to have him back on and yeah, talk about just to talk about saddle hunting. Yeah. So what's you? Um. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, this was also caught on camera. So. Before we hop off and kind of wrap this up, why don't you give everybody uh, the information they can get, and we'll also um, include those links, but tell them how they can check this cool um, video out through your YouTube channel and your Instagram.
4: Yeah, awesome. Thank you. So my YouTube channel is HuntFitTed. My Instagram is, uh, oh my gosh, TeddyBright21, I think. Sounds close. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) TeddyBright21. and just Ted Bright on Facebook. Awesome.
1: And it's a, yeah, I think it, you did a great job because it paints the picture, right, uh, uh, about everything that we just talked about, and it's not two hours long. Right. You know, it, <laughs> it's a perfect, you know, I, I enjoy those types of videos, um, and, and I would guess other people do, and it's a, it's a cool video. And, yeah, it's awesome that you, you let down because otherwise we would just heard the shot and, saw it later so um well done and we really appreciate you hopping on and kind of talking about this this story because we love hearing these stories from guys like you um you know especially a fellow missouri guy that got it done already um i'm sure you're probably already bored
2: yeah so you so do you gun hunt at all or are you just gonna have to wait till after gun season and pick the bow up again and go for late season? well he can he can hunt with his bow during gun season. Well, that's true, yeah. but
4: yeah, that's all I've done really for the last few years. Is I don't uh I don't really gun hunt anymore. Uh I just use my bow during rifle season.
1: So what are you going to do the next like month and a half? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> well, I am trying to find time to get to Tennessee because I got two buck tags in Tennessee that just nice. really
2: need to be filled. Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
4: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, if anybody's wives has a good idea that something my wife could do during those days, you know, just <laughs> go ahead and hit her up and see. I get I, her I, schedule booked and yeah, I yeah.
1: can't help you because we already used all of our points to go elk hunting, right. and so if that's our, not going to be something I
4: get to help you with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. Hey, there was another uh, a first for me that involved this buck. Yeah. Uh, not a big deal or anything, but I'd like to share it real quick. Sure. Um, just because I, I, I enjoy, you know, again, that whole, uh, you know, the, the, the deer living on through us type of thing. I, I love cooking, uh, especially wild game. And I did something different with this buck that I've it's been on my radar for a while, but I finally uh, pulled it off. This last time. And it's not like it's hard or anything, I just hadn't I don't know. You just get stuck in the routines of doing the same old thing, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well uh, everybody just cuts their back straps out, cuts their inner loins out and throws the rib cage away or whatever, right? Um on this one I actually I kept the back straps intact and and the inner loins intact and um uh, I I just I cut the outer edge of the rib, um and then I cut along the spine and you know it's like a like a lamb if you you call it a standing rib roast right yeah uh and, so I, so, you, and I grilled that sucker like a you tomahawk know, so you got a bunch of bones in there yeah right tomahawk. a bunch of, like yeah. it's a, it's a one hunk of meat you know but then you would slice it to get your tomahawk chops after cooking mm-hmm. and it I mean it was phenomenal it was so good you know anytime you can leave it more whole especially for aging the the better off it is you know and i always let my meat age in the uh refrigerator in the garage for a week to two before cooking but that standing rib roast um took uh grilling a backstrap to a different level yeah really good that sounds got any left yeah that sounds amazing come to st louis (laughs) (laughs) well i I, you know there's two sides here uh, (laughs) one and uh yeah i've got another one in
2: here that's awesome man that that sounds really good yeah we should do a show and talk to certain di- just different people and get some off the wall stuff because i mean everybody does they always take back straps out the inner straps yeah they do that and then maybe somebody will get some steaks from the hinds and usually grind the fronts but um, get some different recipes out there and stuff there's so. another there's another show on our network the Huntervor.
1: That's oh really? what it is, Yeah, it's all about cooking and okay. wild game and all that cool stuff. So, yeah, we we probably got the contact that we could we could do a cool show about that. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. There you
4: go. You got the hookup. Yeah, right.
1: that's that's awesome, man. That that sounds really. Now I'm hungry at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, same. So we really appreciate you coming on, sharing this story. Um, we'll definitely, like I said, give everybody that information to go check out the video, also because I think that's really cool to be able to hear it and then go watch it. Or watch it and then hear it, whatever. Yeah. As long as you watch and listen to both. Um, <laughs> it's really cool to be able to do that. And, and, you know, just another way for you to kind of, uh, respect and give that animal the, the, the cool spotlight it deserves, you know, another story for it to, to be told. So, uh, congrats. Definitely jealous of you because I'm already starting to feel pressure for whatever stupid reason on October, okay. whatever the hell today is. <laughs>
3: so.
1: Uh, but, um, it's it's really awesome, and, you know, just uh, enjoy your time. Hopefully you can make it to Tennessee, and uh, good luck the rest of the
2: season. And You got anything else, Micah? No, I think that'll do it, man. We really appreciate you coming on, especially at this late hour. Like you said, you wanted to get to bed, but <laughs> we, we made you stay up, so we appreciate <laughs> you doing that.
4: No problem at all, guys. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing for Missouri Outdoors. All right, dude. We'll talk to you later all right sounds good guys see it
1: and that does it that was a good one i enjoy hearing hunters that you know i kind of i look up to guys who i think are are good season hunters and i enjoy hearing those stories i learned so much Mm -hmm. from hearing those stories and you know the stuff we talk about with wind in that episode um and kind of hunting just off and, and things that ted kind of described and he does a really good job of describing in his video also right um i really
2: enjoy hearing those and and learning from them no he did he does a great job of painting that picture and uh just the success and everything that he put into it i mean it it was an awesome awesome story and it's an awesome video too if you haven't watched it already yeah Uh, definitely go check that
1: out so awesome missouri buck yet again he harvested this buck pretty early and so it's it's cool to hear some of those stories Mm -hmm. and you know as the season goes there's going to be more and more hopefully success right um and you know hopefully this will kind of give people some um what's that word like inspiration motivation Motivation, yeah yeah motivation um to kind of get out there and and keep keep grinding if they haven't had it happen yet so it's still early i mean by the time you hear this it it's going to be a little later up, but it's still early in the game. I mean,
2: we we're have, lucky enough to have till January 15th. Yeah, this we have time. You know, there's we still got the rut coming up, we still have late season. Late season is always a good one because they start moving to those feeding patterns again. Yep. So, as long as you can stand the cold, then usually <laughs> you can at least see something for the most part if you got some good food around you. Yeah. So you know hope you guys enjoy this so good luck
1: to everybody keep uh keep hunting send us those pictures uh i don't even care if you don't want to be in the if if you don't want to be in the drawing you don't tag us whatever uh i love seeing those photos and and the successes so uh keep it up and we'll holler at y'all later have a good one